Welcome to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenhouse. We are grateful to WVU, who offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications. And this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today. Cindy, I'm so happy to introduce you to Ajay Rao, my longtime friend and colleague, and he's expert in loyalty marketing, and he's based in Mumbai. Ajay has worked in loyalty and retention for more than three decades and headed several agencies. He's been at a number of companies, and he was CEO of India for Wonderman at one point. Oh, he's, wow. I know. And he now sits on various boards. He has a client advisory service going, and he's really the go-to guy in India and also here in North America, trusted expert in retention, in customer development, customer relationships. And we are so lucky to have him join us today. So Jay, let me introduce you to my other longtime friend and colleague, Cindy Greenglass. Hello, Ajay. It's a pleasure to meet you, and thank you for joining us all the way from Mumbai. Uh, Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor and a pleasure to be here, meeting with you two lovely ladies. Thank you so much. (laughs) Uh, Well, Ruth, may I ask the first question, Ajay? Yeah. Um, This has always intrigued me, Ajay, and hopefully you can clear this up for me and maybe some of our listeners as well. How would you differentiate loyalty from retention and customer relationship management and maybe ground us in what you believe the definition of loyalty is? That would be really helpful. Okay, so let's start, if you don't mind, with customer relationship management. And uh, that's really the ground uh, zero, if you will, for what we're going to talk about today. Um, loyalty programs are just a way of delivering CRM, just one of the you know numerous ways in which you can do it. And retention is one of the outcomes of a good loyalty program, right? So let's take it step by step. Is that all right? Yeah, that well, sounds great. Okay, great. So first CRM, I think it really boils down to three questions. Who's valuable to me? What's valuable to him or her? And how do I deliver and therefore extract value consistently over time rather than this knowledge? Uh, let's think about life. I mean, this is pretty much how life works, isn't it? Right? Every business works this way. Every human being works this way, which is you try and figure out who matters to you. You then try and figure out what matters to them. And then you try and ensure that you have a long-term series of interactions or a relationship over time, right? which is mutually beneficial. Right. So let's start with that as ground zero and now start building on that. And, you know, I like to use uh, an example. I'm, I'm going to use the example of dating, for example, right, just to go back to something we've used before, if that's all right. Boy asks girl out and says, hey, you know, I'd love to um, take you out for a meal. And girl says, yeah, that's great. And he chooses an Italian place and she hates Italian food. She loves only Asian food. Now, same boy, same girl. Asks her out, says, um, you know, what kind of food would you like? And she says, oh, I'd love Asian. And they go to an Asian restaurant. Same boys, same girl, same date. Completely different results. Right. Right. You're just setting yourself up for success. Hmm. So what we use as an 
underpinning for what we do is data, right? And we use data points. So we know who's valuable to us. The boy thinks the girl's valuable. The girl presumably thinks the boy is valuable. So they're, you know, getting together. And you've got a data point which you're using in order to start a relationship on a positive footing. Now, as you keep building that, right, you keep adding data points. And I'm not going to stretch the example any further because then we're going to get into a relationship uh, advisory debate, which we really don't want right now. <laughs> And right. the loyalty program is a means by which you do this. You use a loyalty program to enable this kind of thing, which is figure out who's valuable to you because you got the data, figure out what's valuable to them because you got the data, and then use your head to figure out what's a way by which I can deliver value consistently and therefore extract value consistently. Does that make sense, Cindy? Yeah. Yes, that makes really good sense, Ajay. Thank you for uh, clarifying that. But you also said that's very interesting is you ask the question and then you listen to the answer. So we can capture data and ask our consumers or our valuable customers what matters to them, or do you like Italian food or Asian food? But if you don't act on the knowledge and the information you just captured or the data and you take them to the Italian restaurant instead of the Asian restaurant, then that experience with your date or, or with your loyal customer has been uh, negatively impacted. So data in and of itself is not going to help us unless, like you said, the mechanism is there to listen and then act on what you hear. Absolutely. And I think that's really what you try to do with a good loyalty program, a good CRM program, therefore a good loyalty program. And that results in retention. Now, if you know that every time you interact with me, I'm going to consistently deliver something that you value. Why would you go somewhere else? It forms a habit, mm-hmm. right? And once you've got a habit, uh, it becomes very difficult to break it. Now, one of my favorite examples is uh, there the are two kinds of people in the world. Those who use the toothpaste which their mom gave them, right? And those who, you know, keep buying whatever's on the deal, right? Or, I mean, there's a third kind, which is people who had a dental problem and the dentist told them to switch. But by and large, these are three kinds of people in God's good earth. Now, the one who wants the deal is buying on the lowest price no matter what. So let's forget about that person. A uh, transactional buyer, I think we exactly. call it. And what, what you're looking at is somebody who wants a discount, and you know that's your value is your discount. I mean, that's not someone you're going to make a, a fair profit out of. But somebody who uses you consistently, and you know they were given this toothpaste when they were four years old, when they brushed their teeth for the first time on their own, and they just keep using it. And now they're in their 50s or the 60s, and they're still using that toothpaste. And they're not thinking about it. Now, just think about this. You've got a solution, right, for the person which is working. And as long as you consistently deliver that solution, you make it available at a fair price in the store where the person wants to buy it. And it has exactly the same form and the same you know, sensation in the mouth and cleans the teeth as well and doesn't give you bad breath. You've got the person for life, right? So one of the things, great secret of long and enduring marriages, as I've discovered, is creating habit. As long oh, as you don't create a of adoption, right, uh, people don't rethink it. No, absolutely. Ruth, come on, let's be honest. <laughs> Last time your spouse delighted Let's not tell this to our people. spouses. <laughs> 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 but uh, Ajay, you also mentioned last time we were talking that there are other reasons to create loyalty programs. You, I think you had listed five benefits to the firm other than mere additional profit out of retention. Could you run, the, run through those with us? So the reason why you do a loyalty program, I think, Ruth, that's a great question, is number one, you get data at an individual level. 
because you have a loyalty number and you ask somebody to spend some time, put up the hand, say, look, I'll be a friend of yours. And they filled in a form and they told you about themselves, right? Right. Uh, and now you've got this unique number and you can relate every transaction to that unique number. And you can relate every interaction to the unique number. So even when they don't spend, they call your call center, they, you know, they show up and whatever. I mean, you, you, you're able to track that, right, on social media or whatever. Right. Now, you've got an opportunity to put that data together and create a comm channel which you own. So mm. that's the second benefit you have, which is a communication channel which you don't have to pay uh, Rupert Murdoch to use. Right. right? Your... Now, the third, and now, if you do a bad job of the communication channel and you spam the person, they're going to reward you by ignoring you. And that's really not what you want. You want to have something which is valuable. You've got a 70, 80% open rate because people value what you communicate for them. The third thing you get is you get a currency and a reward system that you control. So it's not a dollar, which the Fed decides the value of, right? Like a frequent flyer mile. Exactly. Like yeah. a frequent flyer mile, like your grocery store points, like a, a hospitality program points, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you can decide the rewards. And you can price those rewards according to how precious somebody is to you. The fourth thing you get is you get a way to recognize people. Now, you know who you want to recognize, the guys who are valuable to you. And you can treat them differently from someone else. So there's a, you know, there's a queue at the checking-in counter of the airline. And you're a high-status member. And you just walk right up to the front to another counter, which is empty. And you know that's that little special spurt of how clever I am. I'm a high-status member, right? And that recognition means things to people. Yeah. The last thing which you get is you get an ability to do alliances because you understand your customers very well. You know what they value. You can do alliances which can A, benefit your customers, which is kind of cool, and B, benefit yourself. You make a lot of profit out of those alliances because you know they can be almost entirely profitable as far as you're concerned because there's no cost of delivery that's done by somebody else. Right. So with the five levers, which are the assets which your loyalty program gives you, right, you have the ability to manage that customer relationship more effectively. And what we'd like to do, Ruth, is try to create moments that matter to the mm. people who matter, right? Now, if you think of a relationship over a period of, you know, however long it is, it could be years, it could be decades, it's created by a series of interactions, which are moments where that person interacts with your brand, with your service, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you do, right? Each one of those moments gives you an opportunity to create a moment of truth where the person says, ah, I'll only stick with this one, right? Right, uh, something, you, some I, special experience that makes them yeah, feel good. And, it can also create the opposite, not to be contrary, but how important those moments are. I go back to what you were saying, Ajay, about a creating currency based on a unique relationship and the recognition and um, Ruth brought up frequent flyer miles and so many of us have had uh, very positive experiences and many of us have had very negative experiences where that currency was uh, easily disrupted because the, the interaction was so poor. So we have a real obligation and responsibility to determine what uniquely I value as a consumer, how to reinforce that, and how the fragility of that relationship can be so easily disrupted if you don't uh, cultivate it. Like you're saying, it's like cultivating your garden with those moments of constant reinforcement because it's so easy to lose it, isn't it? 
You're absolutely right. I mean, and you don't want a moment of eruption, right? So you spend years tending to your garden. And then the neighbor's kid comes in and digs up all your roses, right? And that's a moment <laughs> of eruption that can completely ruin, you know, decades of hard work, right? All right. Uh, so try and avoid those moments of eruption. Now, it's the neighbor's kid, there's very little you can do about it. Um, you can be nasty to the parents, but that's about where it begins and ends. But you can certainly avoid kicking the roses yourself, right? <laughs> so and, what about you know, what about COVID though? Hasn't buying behavior changed a lot in the last year and a half? And how how has that impacted loyalty program theory and practice? Well, let me give you um, uh, let's call it uh, you know completely off the charts answer to start with, right? Okay. You know, airlines haven't been doing very well. Well, right? of course. They've all been through a bit of a rough time. Hmm. And one of the things which I'm told has kept them alive is the frequent flyer miles they sell to credit cards. So when you were busy buying stuff on Amazon, Ruth, uh, you were racking up those, those miles and the credit card company was paying the airline. And right. that meant that the airline was making you know, a pretty decent sum of money, right? Uh, even while they weren't flying. Now, what at least two or three airlines did, including uh, you know some of the largest airlines in the U.S., is raise debt on the basis of that. Wow! We went back to the banks and said, "Look, we need this money to keep us alive, and wow. we're good for the money. And uh, why are we good for the money? Because you're paying it to us." Yeah, right? that's interesting because so I, in fact, stopped using my airline uh, points or mile mileage credit cards during the pandemic. And I went to the cash back version of so did the credit I. card. Did you yeah, do the exactly. same thing, Cindy? Well, I did the exact same thing, uh, which we know is not as profitable for the airlines air, air, or for the bank. Yeah. And airlines is maybe a special case in COVID because their business was so decimated. But what about loyalty programs in general, like at retail, for example, Ajay? How, how has COVID impacted them? Well, I think, um, you know, the retail, as you know, has been decimated, right? And that's pretty much globally. Um, you know, your small restaurants, your everybody's been hammered into, so right from the large chains to the, the individual, you know, mom and pop store, everybody's got hammered. And I think what's kept them going, at least in some cases that I've worked with some of my clients, some of the people I advise, um, the loyalty programs keep people loyal. Right. Sure. So now the temptation is just to go and shop on Amazon. But that little bit of extra effort to find the retailer's website and shop from there can be the difference between, uh, you know, going out of business and kind of staying alive. Right. So I think they've been very helpful. Now, we could go through industry category after industry category and speak about how people have leveraged the loyalty programs, you know, to keep going. So hotels, for example, uh, at least eight or 10 uh, hotel chains that I know of. And I'm sure there are many, many more, have extended their paid-for loyalty membership uh, validity if you buy it during COVID. Oh, uh, interesting. That's a good idea, actually. Revenue stream, uh, you know, at a time when you need it. And you get incremental loyalty for longer once COVID comes out. So, you know, you get going with that as well. Nice. Another thing we do, sorry. So they're asking you to invest today for the future. and giving you an aspirational 
quality. I'm going to look forward to doing this in the future. I'm going to pay today so I can look forward to coming to your hotel in the future. So you're paying it forward and creating that expectation, which is wonderful. It's wonderful. Um, I'd like to ask you, Ajay, since we're looking always forward thinking with our horizons, you know, our podcast is about the future. So you brought up this great segue for us as we look forward to what's happening in loyalty moving forward. You have said, uh, and I've heard Ruth comment that you think loyalty is going to change dramatically in the future. And, And I'd like to ask you, what did you mean by that? So, I think loyalty is ripe for disruption. Let's go back to the early 80s when American Airlines launched the first loyalty program the way we know it, right? And right. that was a dramatic change from what Carlson did, I think it was in the 1930s, with the Green Stamp program, Gold Stamp, Green Stamp, et cetera. And American Airlines just completely changed the ballgame. We didn't need stamps anymore. We didn't need to put it in a book. We tracked the miles and we give you the miles, right? And they defined what loyalty would be for the next, uh, you know, 40 years, right? Until pretty much now. Hmm. And all the loyalty programs that launched were basically copies of what American Airlines did, right? I mean, they, they just really, I mean, for all practical purposes, you could cut a piece and it's almost like that, right? And you just took that idea and you put it everywhere else. And different loyalty programs had different value propositions. The grocery program had things which they could use with the data because they know what your basket looked like. An airline could use miles of redemption because they knew you wanted to buy an holiday, et cetera, et cetera, right? Now come to today's day. Uh, what's changed? I think new industries, which are data-driven, don't need to ask you for that unique identifier anymore. Amazon yeah. has already got a unique identifier. They don't need it anymore. So when they launched Prime, they showed us that a loyalty program can be very different from what we understood from American Airlines, right? Okay, so now let's think about that a bit and think about the technologies coming down the pike. So the first is the data-driven companies, the companies which are born out of data, the Googles, the, the Fangs, basically, you know, all the all the uh, the guys, the big boys in the market now are are, are data-driven. I mean, they're born out of data, and the big boys coming in down the you know down the pike over the next five, ten years are pretty much the same. Uh, so the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to get a bunch of companies who get data very well and don't need a program to have the data, right? So the biggest reason for the loyalty program is now going to become history. You don't need it anymore. All right. Uh, the communication channel, they've got that already, and they know how to communicate with you. The ability to personalize in that communication channel, they got it already. They know you're going to track their mails, not because you love Amazon, but because you're worried about your package and when it's going to show up, right? So, you know, they, they pretty much know that they've got you, right? Uh, which is true for, I'm using Amazon as an example, but you could use almost anyone. So lots of changes. So the old program, the way we knew it, is probably going to die, right? Meanwhile, a new version of the program I think it's going to sort of emerge, and there'll be many paths to that new versions of the loyalty program. Let's use retail as an example. I think digital, physical meets digital, is going to be something which is going to be huge in the future. Because what the retailers will do is they'll use data like an Amazon would use the data to create a magical experience in store. Mm. Right. So I, I could put uh, you know some kind of intelligence in the mirror in which you check out the skirt that you're planning to, to buy and you're going to wear that for this event. And I can try and recreate the event in the mirror so you can see what you're going to look like over there. And so I can create magic, which, you know, can't be done with present technology, you know, on the internet or on your phone or whatever, but can be done in retail space, right? 
I can create an entire experience for you as you walk towards the supermarket. And, you know, you've got a shopping bill, which is stored, if you will. I mean, a shopping list, which is stored. And you just press a button on that and you're walking towards it. And the, sh- and the supermarket's got your shopping ready for you with all the SKUs that you want, with your loyalty points credited to pick up and you're just paying on your phone. Now, think wow. of these experiences and see, you know, what's going to happen with loyalty over the next five, 10 years. A lot of these technologies exist already, right? It's just a question of applying them. Uh, I could go on, but I think you, you get a sense that, you know, everything's going to change. But the fundamental questions are going to remain constant. Who's valuable to you? What's valuable to them? How do you deliver value and therefore extract value over time, right? So do you think that loyalty programs, however they're structured, will over time be available to a broader range of of categories outside of transportation, hospitality, and retail? Absolutely. So I think, uh, you know, Ruth, when I got into loyalty uh, 35 years ago, right? we used to serve only what we'd call top box companies, right? Which is if you had one axis which had the frequency of repurchase and you know, the other axis of so the X axis is frequency of repurchase and the Y axis is ticket value per purchase. Anybody has high ticket value, high frequency re- repurchase for the top box company, airlines, hospitality, uh, you know, supermarkets. And those guys had valuable relationships and it made sense to create a loyalty program, right? Because the cost of doing a loyalty program, communication, et cetera, was very high. Now that's changed. I think, um, you know, they're, they're, I'm working on loyalty programs in real estate. I'm working on loyalty programs uh, for automotive companies. Mm. Uh, there are any number of high value, low frequency repurchase uh, programs which emerge. And I'm also working on CPG programs, you know, for your consumer brands, your, your PNGs and your Unilevers of this world where high frequency but low ticket value programs also exist because, you know, it kind of makes sense now, right? You've got the mobile phone. You've got yeah. a near free way of contacting the person. And you can put that all together. So I think you're going to see a lot more loyalty programs than you did before. They're going to be very different from what you saw before. Wow, there's lots of opportunity for change coming up and many companies who can take advantage of a new environment the technology married with the, I love this physical plus digital to create something magical. And that uh, opens up a lot of opportunity. We should think more expansively than just a transaction-based loyalty program. Forget about the points, create something special and unique. You're absolutely right. And I think that ability to recognize and give you something that you value. The points was just one way of giving you something you value. Uh, you remember we spoke about creating moments that matter for the people who matter. The point redemption, if I could make it special for you, right, would be something you'd value. But if I allowed you to earn your points today and burn your points tomorrow, earn your points today or burn your points tomorrow, there's no value. You've forgotten the value of that program before you get your car in the car park, right? I mean, it's already history. It doesn't matter. But if I get you a redemption where you take your, your spouse and your kids out for a special vacation and you enjoy yourselves, you can remember that for the rest of your life. There you go. Well, this has been a wonderful discussion, Ajay. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and giving us a hint about where loyalty programs may be going in the future. Thank you so much for having me. As always, a pleasure seeing you, Ruth. Thank you so much, both of you. It's really been good. Thank you. Thank you, Ajay.
Cindy, I'm sure you really enjoyed our conversation with Ajay. And let me just open with a comment for our listeners. He mentioned the term CRM at the outset, remember? Yes. Yeah. And I'd, I'd like to remind us all that the term CRM pretty quickly with the arrival of technology evolved quickly to mean the software itself. And companies say, oh, I'm going to check my CRM. And what they mean is the, the contact management software or the, the sales automation software that, that they have installed that they use to record the relationship with the customer. But what Ajay was referring to was the original concept of thinking about strategizing and investing in developing a, a, a more profitable and mutually beneficial relationship with our customers, which in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s became increasingly uh, understood to be of, of great value and importance. Yes, that's a very good point, Ruth, that you picked up on, because it's unfortunate that CRM became known as the software and the system and the tech and not the strategy and the concept. I also thought it was very interesting when he talked about what's coming mm -hmm. and what he thinks the future could look like. And you asked the question about, will this allow more brands and more companies to engage in loyalty beyond what he called the big players. What was interesting is he said that expansion may help companies who have high value, low velocity customers, right? Which has not traditionally been a, a, an area that customers uh, were interested in for loyalty for customers. So when you think about an insurance company, high value, and maybe that is literally only two purchases, low velocity, you only do car insurance twice a year. Maybe you do your home insurance once a year. Who would ever think of that? The Allstates, the Geico's insurance companies. That's what came to mind when he said that one. Where could you take that um, to a new level in loyalty? And the other one was the opposite, the high frequency, low dollar value, which is when he said it's very hard to make an ROI or a, a profitability analysis on that when the cost of the product or the margin on the product is so low. So that was interesting to see that we could get a lot more loyalty coming if we uh, disrupt the way we've looked at things in the past. Right. And I appreciated how he used Prime and Amazon Prime as an example of a new direction in the concept of loyalty outside of the traditional rewards program or points programs. There clearly is opportunity for innovation and creativity to come up with better ways to deliver and extract value in the formula that he said, beginning with investing time and effort in managing the relationship with customers figuring out how to d deliver more value and supporting that with a loyalty program and other tools to, to in enable that value exchange to, to get stronger and, and, and better. 
Yes. And of course, love the fact that he brought up data because, you know, you and I are the, the passionate advocates of data, but the good use of data to extract that value, not yes. just capturing it for the sake of it. And, and again, bringing up that how the data is driving the change, but it's the use of the data that so many companies already have. Right. So the number of companies that are built have have built their business models on the basis of access to customer data is is growing. And that allows this new thinking to to develop. I mean, for a, a grocery store to have a the ability to know what was in the shopping basket was really hard without the points programs that were put in place. But as he pointed out, e-commerce and direct-to-consumer models have it baked in. So the and that's the way they think from the from the beginning. So more and more businesses are are arriving on the scene with the data in hand. Yes, look at I just bought a new fridge. My fridge went kaput during COVID. I opened and closed it too many times. <laughs> and I bought a new refrigerator. And look at what these new refrigerators have. They've got embedded chips that can tell you when your milk is running low and they can evaluate the contents. And then you can use that to communicate to your uh, assisted, you know, Alexa to say, order more of that. And Imagine if these were connected now where they automatically told me that they were going to deliver it to my home. So I didn't even have to think about it. And here it is. They're making that connection for me. That that would be pretty interesting. Auto ship is really coming down the pike more quickly than we ever expected. And that's a good thing because it's clear that the points, the traditional points and rewards programs that were begun with American Airlines and then spread across certainly the the transportation and hospitality industries have become commoditized. In fact, right. the, the American Airlines po- program was commoditized almost out of the box because the other airlines realized they had to have it. And it's now just become a cost of doing business and the the opportunity for real differentiation in the minds of customers it has been erased. So we need change yes. <laughs> in the loyalty business. And so many loyalties uh, programs, I think, are the outcome of straight transaction communications. We've gotten lazy as marketers. We're not trying to find right. what's valuable or unique with our consumers. We're just saying, I'll just pay you for your transaction. And the more transactions you give me, I'll give you more points. Well, that takes away from one of the key concepts that Ajay shared with us, which was creating a unique currency. Moments that matter, right? Mm -hmm. It was really the essence of customer experience marketing. And I would call that the the first of our, our three essential piggies here, Cindy, wouldn't you? That that creating a, a a unique experience that can differentiate and can be memorable enough to not just be tossed away in the mind of the of the consumer. And yes. 
And another, well, there, it's going to be hard for us to pick the three piggies, but what would you suggest after moments that matter as another of our three takeaways in today's podcast? I liked the way he laid it out very succinctly that loyalty is identifying who is valuable to you, what is valuable to them, and then implementing the mechanism that allows you to create those moments that matter. thought he expressed that a very succinct way for us. Exactly. That, that was so nifty. And really, as I heard him saying that, I was thinking, this is the essence of marketing. Yes. <laughs> you know, he, he's boiled it down to a, a really lovely phrase. And then he piled on with an excellent formula uh, or list of the additional, maybe even unexpected values that you get once you establish a loyalty program, whether really intentional or not, he said that these loyalty programs that we have in place also have five additional assets to offer the firm. One is access to customer data. Two is that you get an owned media channel. Mm -hmm. You get owned currency. And you can use this as a tool to differentiate customer treatment based on customer value and other insights. And fifth, it can be a source of alliance partnerships that can allow efficiencies and additional breadth to your market reach. So, man, this was a very rich discussion. It certainly was. And then he wrapped it all up for us with that third one, I have to say, which was the marrying of the physical and the digital. The What did he call it? The fidgetal? I love that expression. But creating digital moments, which is the magic that is lasting based on what you have taken away from that, those assets and how they create something memorable for us that will allow us to remember that relationship and make that customer experience so much richer. You know, the mirror that he was talking about where you're trying on clothes. And it made me think of these um, advertisements I've been seeing for one of the athletic companies. I don't know if you've seen it, the athletic clothing, where they have the mirror and you can do your workout in front of the mirror now. And so that's what reminded me of where he said creating that magic. It's not just buy the clothing and you're going to try it on in front of the mirror. How about if you could actually do your workout in front of the mirror with your clothing on? I just created a magical, memorable moment marrying my physical with the digital experience. That was a a very insightful idea he brought to us, I think. Agreed. That was a terrific program. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you, Ruth, for bringing a J to our podcast this week. My pleasure. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu slash mctoday to view our upcoming conversations, listen to previous discussions, and subscribe to receive updates.